Hello and welcome to the Addicted Us Tonight, your one-stop podcast for all things Jane Austen. In this week's episode, we are looking at the rise of the novel in Georgian era society. We have already looked at gothic novels because they are the ones that Northanger Abbey is parodying, uh, but today we're going to see where these gothic novels fit in the larger novel revolution that was taking place while Jane was writing her books. Of course, I want to focus on British novels in this episode because that's where Jane fits in, of course. Um, but for once, Britain's actually quite behind the curve with this movement uh, and the history of the British novel is slightly later than the rest of mainland Europe, for example. Uh, so they're not actually going to turn up for a little while, but we will get there. As a society, humans have been telling stories for thousands and thousands of years. But in terms of writing these stories down and these stories becoming literature, novels as we know them today have a long history, with our contemporary idea of a novel being fairly modern invention. As I said, it's a very long history of stories, but if I went back to the very beginning, we would be here for hours. So instead, I'm jumping to life after the invention of the printing press, because that is when stories could be written down more easily and distributed to a wider audience. The Gutenberg Press was invented in 1440 and it really did start the journey to the modern novel. It did take quite a while for the effects of the printing press to kick in. There are a lot of deep-rooted traditions about who could write, who could read and that kind of thing. But by the 1600s, reading was much more accessible. But what what they were reading doesn't quite match with our modern versions. Any kind of written story, be it the relation of an actual event, a fictitious tale, or even epic poetry and so on, these works came under the umbrella term of histories. There really wasn't a distinction between genres, And there wasn't really the greatest distinction between their content either. (laughs) Everything written down was focused on relaying tales from the past. And while the term novel did exist, the word was largely used to describe works which had fictionalised, in inverted commas, true events by changing the names. Essentially, the novel was a medium for gossip and scandal, Things were beginning to change, however, and in the 1670s, the publication of Cervantes' Novelas Exemplares, I really hope I've pronounced that right, um, (laughs) began the definition of a novel and set a novel as its own genre of writing. One of the big distinctions that came out of this work was the distinction between novels and romances. Of course, today, novels are any kind of fictional tale, but it was important to medieval society that romance was its own category of writing and not at all associated with novels. 
during this time, a competition seemed to grow, not only between novels and romances, but also between French and Spanish versions of a novel. Uh, France and Spain were really leading the pack uh, in terms of novels. And those coming into the writing game and those actually publishing these novels love to play up on this competition to boost sales. Slowly, novels were becoming a thing in their own right. And in the 1700s, not only were novels their own form of literature, but there were different types of novels emerging as well. On the surface, a novel began to be known as a work with these key characteristics. Uh, brevity, a lack of ambition to turn epic poems into verse, though goodness knows why you'd want to do that in the first place. <laughs> they also had a fresh and plain style, and they featured a focus on modern heroes who were neither good nor bad. Some scholars point to Robinson Crusoe uh, by Daniel Defoe as the first English novel published in 1719, but it does lack these critical elements that we just listed. So there are others who would argue that Samuel Richardson's Pamela was the beginning of the British novel instead when it was published in 1741. It is an ongoing argument. I don't think we'll ever pinpoint the first British novel. And of course it was harder to pick a first novel because there were so many different types of novels emerging. They're, not, they're still not quite what we would consider novels today, but trust me, we are getting close now. Uh, one type of novel that emerging was the philosophical novel, and this explored the deep and difficult issues in society uh, meant to make their readers think about their own lives and about the lives of their countrymen as well. There were also sentimental novels that hoped to help readers shape a positive social life and better relationships. And finally, uh, we get the experimental novels that wanted to explore the way that we told stories and wrote them down and wanted to push this art form to its limit. Romances still existed on their own, uh, but they were changing as well. With the capital R romantic movement, they reclaimed the word romance and by doing that and separating it as part of their own movement, it paved the way for romances to be put in with novels and no longer considered as a separate thing anymore. Romance was now about the capital R romantics. So there didn't need to be that separation between romances and novels. And they just became romance novels instead. Also, with regards to romances, with works like Walter Scott's Waverley, historical romances were getting a bit of a facelift uh, as they began to make them actually historically accurate, which would give, of course, the genre more credibility, but it's still a problem that we struggle with today, depending on which novels you read. One final rising genre, of course, is the gothic novel as well. This is when they became really popular, 
thanks again to the Capital Art Romantics. So we're in the mid to late 1700s and we have finally the basic outline of novels as we know them. But they still weren't as mainstream and as big a part of society as they are today. When Jane Austen began writing, she was at a crucial point in the development of the novel. In her society, novels existed and they were popular in certain circles, but they were largely regarded with disdain. The plays and poetry were seen as the more respectable form of fiction. Novels had a pretty bad rep. Gothic novels and romances and the ensuing counterculture of pornographic novels uh, in particular were condemned for being conducive to frivolity and immorality in females. Like with many things past and present, once something is popular with women, it's quickly shunned by society as a whole. I don't know why I'm laughing about that, but I think it might be a if I don't laugh I'll cry kind of situation. <laughs> and not only did novels have a bit of a bad reputation, but they were still also quite hard to get a hold of. The rise of novels is heavily connected to the rise of the middle classes because books were just so expensive. Buying a book could cost a person a week's wages if they wanted a particularly popular one. It really was a rich man's game. Uh, reading literature. There were such institutions as circulating libraries, you might have heard about them or seen them written uh, about in books of this time, but they're not like modern libraries. Yes, they were a place to read new books and to borrow them and read them at home, but in order to provide this service to the public, the libraries were heavily reliant on subscription fees from frequent users of the service. And it largely became an unwritten rule that if you were going to use the circulating library very often, you would have to subscribe. They needed that money in order to buy the new books and to keep the circulating library going. And because of the circulating libraries and the cost to them for new books, the trend in novels did develop. And this system was that novels would be published in several volumes. And what this meant was that groups and families could read these novels at the same time without the library having to purchase multiple copies of the same book to give one to every member of this group. Person A would read volume one and then move on to volume two whilst giving the first volume to person B, who would then pass it on to person C, etc, etc, until the whole group had finished it, albeit at different times. And this meant that the libraries could cut down on the costs because they didn't need as many copies of the same novel as they would have if it was all in one and everybody wanted to read it. So novels were being read, it's just that they weren't really considered a serious form of literature at the time, though of course even that was beginning to change. There was a rise 
during this period of authors using the novels to advocate for social reform. The idea was to, quote, uh, enliven morality with wit and to temple wit with morality, to bring philosophy out of the closets and libraries, schools and colleges, to dwell in clubs and assemblies, at tea tables and coffee houses. Books and novels were now about helping society to enrich itself, which of course went some way to making them more respectable to society. But the main factor in them becoming mainstream was the fact that journals, like The Spectator and The Tatler, for example, were beginning to offer reviews of novels in their articles, which placed these novels in the public eye and made it respectable to read them because they were appearing in these popular journals. Novels would continue to change and rise to prominence in society throughout the rest of the Georgian era and well into the Victorian era as well, leading to our modern love of novels. Luckily, Jane is Georgian and not Victorian, so I don't have to talk about the Victorians, uh, but by this point it was pretty much just getting them into the public eye and making them a popular form of telling stories. With regards to Jane Austen, when she is writing and publishing her books, she has the perfect novels to fit into the burgeoning market that was developing. She commented on society with a mix of wit, sarcasm, humour and romance that appealed to all the different groups of novel readers in Georgian society and helped to lead the way for more novels to come through. She really did have the winning formula, which is, of course, why she's still so popular today. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Addicted Austenite. I hope you've enjoyed it. Comments are always welcome on Facebook and Twitter and my website. Uh, So do get in touch. I'd love to know what you think. I'll see you next time for a new episode. And until then, happy reading, your faithful servant, the author.